Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of NHASED Spotlight, a podcast where we discuss educational topics in order to be a catalyst for conversation and action to ensure excellence in teaching, learning, and leading. This is Jan Yost, the Executive Director of NHASED, and your host for this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of NHASED Spotlight, a podcast. Um, today with me is Dana Foles, who is a digital learning specialist in the Concord, New Hampshire School District, and she is also NHASED's treasurer. Welcome, Dana. Hi, thank you. Um, it is also my extreme pleasure to welcome back Krista Lay, um, who is an educator, a former administrator, an adjunct professor, and an educational consultant specializing in SEL. She was also selected as one of 26 members nationwide for the ASCD Emerging Leader Class of 2014 and has become an ASCD Professional Services uh, faculty member. Welcome back, Krista. So nice to have you. Thank you so much, Jan and Dana. I am honored to be back. Looking forward to a great conversation. Uh, I'm sure it will be um, and very informative. Um, before we begin, I just want to mention that this podcast episode is being sponsored by EduPlanet 21. EduPlanet 21 offers an integrated curriculum and professional learning platform with courses from some of the best names in education, including Krista. So please visit them at eduplanet21.com. Again, that's eduplanet21.com. So today we're going to be talking about coaching SEL teams. Um, but first, want to talk about some of the basics, if that's okay with you, Krista? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So Krista, can you tell us a little bit um, about you and what led you to your interest in SEL? Of course. Um, I was a former high school social studies teacher, so I was in the classroom teaching 10th and 11th grade for 10 years. Um, while I was there, I was involved in the student assistance program. So for six years, I was the coordinator, and the program includes teachers, administrators, counselors, and a school nurse, and usually an outside resource. Um, and we help students who are experiencing barriers to learning. In Pennsylvania, specifically our school district, we focused on supporting students who are experiencing barriers because of mental health, drugs and alcohol. And through that and through conversations with the students, I realized how intricately entwined uh, their social and emotional um, mental health was tied to their academic learning. And so I was trying to learn more about this. And we developed a student leadership organization where we were helping our students um, gain the skill sets around SEL that they could take out to their peer groups. Uh, to be a little bit more um, preventative as opposed to being responsive once students were already having um, concerns. And so that led me down the path of learning about social emotional learning. And so I've been doing a, a more of a deep dive into that for about the last 15 to 17 years now. Um, after my years of working at the high school, I became an instructional coach. So I worked sixth grade through 12th grade, which ex expanded um, my support of students from preteen up through teenage years. Oh, thanks. Um, Dana, I know you have a question. 
Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the history of SEL? Um, is this something new or is it something that um, is kind of taking a back seat to accountability or testing? Um, and how did it become such a big part of education? That's a great question. Um, so yes, I do believe that in the last 20 years or so, it actually has taken a backseat to accountability and testing. And that's been really frustrating. But if you look back over history, social emotional learning has been around for thousands of years. Um, the Greek philosophers would talk about social emotional learning, but they didn't call it that. Um, and over time, it swung um, from being really integral to education to not being as focused upon. But if you look throughout history, it's been called values clarification, character education, um, affective education. And so it's all of the same philosophies uh, just with a different name and so right now we've really been kind of coalescing around SEL which is the castle definition C-A-S-E-L I used to think it was a castle like a sand castle <laughs> and that stands for the collaborative uh, for academic social and emotional learning. Cool so um, a lot of schools have instituted things like advisory times to try to get SEL in, you know. Um, so in addition to that, what are some of the things that schools can do to support SEL, like to build capacity and to integrate it into the culture of the school? You're speaking my language. Okay. And right there with into the culture of the school. Um, I really think we need to have a whole framework shift around SEL that it isn't a program and it isn't a designated time of the school day. That's not a bad place to start. And so if you're a school district out there that's doing that, that's fantastic. That's better than not doing anything. But I really encourage you to not stop there. Um, so we want it to be more than a program because a program that is passed down doesn't necessarily enhance the staff's strengths, their SEL strengths, their personality, their context, the classroom, and specifically student needs. Um, and I do think that when teachers have an integral part in being able to develop what SEL looks like for them in their context, they have more ownership of it and more voice, and they're including the students in that process, it moves from being a program or a morning meeting into the climate and culture of the school. So SEL, when you walk in, and, and Jan, I know you've been to many buildings, and okay. Dana, when you walk into your buildings, you feel SEL or lack of SEL in a building. It's in the physical space. It's in the way that people interact with each other. It's in um, the way that classrooms are set up and spaces are set up in the cafeteria and the in the library or the media space. Um, it's embedded into the curriculum and not just the guidance or school counselor curriculum and not just, and I say just PE and um, health because it should be integrated K through 12 in every content area. So, so Christy, you mentioned the students. Yes. What role does the students play in, um, in addressing and in, in bringing that culture to the school? So I think that the first thing is that students need to understand that their learning is not just about academics, that it is social and it's emotional and really have some insight into the way that their brain works um, in a very basic way. So they understand that their emotions and how they're feeling about things and if they got enough sleep and if they had enough to eat um, really plays a part in them being able to learn at their fullest capacity and the way that they interact with people and the way that they treat people um, also affects people's abilities to learn. 
Um, I do think that students should have a really clear understanding of what SEL is and what that means for them and what their role is in that and have an opportunity to co-create what some of these terms look like. Like for instance, we talk about empathy all of the time, how important it is for us as educators and human beings to have empathy, but um, we all have a different idea of what that looks like, sounds like, and feels like. So let's co-create that for our um, shared environments. And I know um, you've talked a little bit about um, what it's like to be an SEL coach. I think people are familiar with instructional coaches at this point, but could you talk a little bit about the role of an SEL coach and why it's so important? Yes. Um, and this has evolved over time for me. So I was an instructional tech coach and then I morphed into a curriculum coach and we had reading coaches and we have mathematics coaches, but I really do believe that if you're an instructional coach, you should be an SEL coach as well. So you should be familiar with the five competencies. You should be um, having a good understanding about what good teaching and learning looks like, sounds like, and feels like to be able to support not only the educators, but also the teachers, or I'm sorry, but also the students as well. Um, so when we're looking at how are we helping students learn different content areas, we're also including how can we help students learn how to talk with one another, to collaborate well, to be effective team members, to be able to take perspective and make good decisions. How can we help them, um, the students overcome the barriers that they're experiencing or their frustrations? And I think that um, the more that we can all support each other as educators, the better foundation we're also providing for our students. So Krista, I know that there are a growing number of schools and districts that have a designated person as an SEL coach. I know they're in Virginia and there are some in Massachusetts, um, but a lot of school districts don't have that luxury. Um, you mentioned instructional coach, could be an SEL coach here in New Hampshire. That's growing, that's relatively new. So what are some alternatives for a school district? One of my favorites is that I think it really needs to start with the leadership. Um, and so I've worked in schools where leaders say, oh, that's not my thing. I'm not an expert in this. And I feel that you don't need to be an expert in social emotional learning to be able to learn it with your staff, with your students and model it, because that's what we're asking everybody else to do. I love SEL and I'm embedded in it every single day, but I'm not an expert in it. I'm still learning and growing. I have days where I make poor decisions and then I need to you know, figure out what to do next, but that's part of the process. Um, so I encourage that if we can, we need to start building capacity because it can't be up to any one particular person to take on this responsibility. Similarly to when literacy standards came out, as a social studies teacher, I'm like, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't do this, but I can, and I can help. And there are some parts of my role as a social studies teacher that I can support the ELA and literacy as well. And the same thing with SEL. So I think that we need to have a core, actually the research shows, our research shows, you do need a core SEL team who can start learning and growing together and then taking that information back out and working with colleagues um, and partnering with them so that we can all learn and grow together. Um, it can't be up to any one person or a very small group of teachers. We have to collaborate with one another. I love that. Yeah, and I love how um, you talk about embedding it into the culture of the school. Um, but do you think uh, you could think of like a good mission for 
um, an SEL coach or an SEL team and what could they do to get to um, living their mission in the school and embedding it into their culture? Wow, that's a good question, Dana. Um, (laughs) I can give you my mission. Yeah, what is your mission? Well, when I was a classroom teacher, I was one of those teachers who, instead of having a social, I'm sorry, instead of having a study hall with 100 people in the cafeteria, I'm like, give me a sixth class. I will teach 150 kids in a day, teach, facilitate, um, so that I can build relationships. And so for me, social emotional learning meant um, that we all give and show respect for one another, but it also meant that everybody felt included in the classroom and they felt seen. And so my mission was that all students would feel seen and heard and valued in my classroom. And so my actions throughout the week, whether I was greeting people as they walked in the door, I was calling on different students, I'd walk by and check in and, you know, how is your game? How's your, how are your parents doing? How's your brother doing? I heard, you know, he had been sick the other day or how's um, lacrosse going? How's band going? Um, And I would make sure that I addressed every single student in that week. And I know I only had 50 student, 50 minutes with every class period, but on Wednesday, I'd go through my list and, and reflect on who did I not remember speaking with? And I would make sure I didn't want any students coming through my room without feeling that they were seen. Um, so for me, my mission was that all students would feel valued and included and seen. I think that's so important. I think you nailed that question, Krista. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Krista, can you um, maybe share some strategies about how a team would start this process and then how a coach would then help them along? And I'm not saying direct them, but help them along. Yeah. Um, One of the defining characteristics of a team is that people learn about one another and they trust one another. And that takes time to build, but is very easily lost. And so I can actually give you an, an example because I'm going through that right now. I'm, I'm hiring and I'm building out my own team for Residence Ed. Um, our first meeting, bringing people from around different parts of the country together, I asked them to do the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, the Kiersey personality. Um, I'm an INFJ, so I'm a small percent, like an introvert, intuitive, feeling and I hate the word judging, but it, it just means that I like to be planned. Um, but I had everybody come to the meeting having done that. And we looked at who were our introverts, who were our extroverts, who were those who um, were very methodical in terms of their thinking processes versus kind of going off of their gut. But we talked about how we need each other, that one is not any better than the other, but if we're working towards the same mission and vision and values, which I shared the company's mission, vision, and values. And I said, what do you think about this? What do you, what are you leaning into? What are some things you have questions about? And we're currently revising and make sure we're all on the same page with that. But then we talk about our own personalities and what we're bringing to the table and what I honor about everybody who's there. Um, And so we're starting to get to know one another and see what we bring to the table and how we can partner. Um, That's part of building group dynamics is what are our goals? How are we all going to work together to our strengths to achieve those goals? 
our next meeting, they're all coming with their core values, which is a Brene Brown exercise. Um, so I walk them through, this is the process that you do, come with your two core values. What does that look like when you're living in your core values? And just as important, what does that look like when you're slipping? <laughs> so that we can keep each other accountable. When I have done these activities with good friends, with teams, it helps me understand who people are and how we can work together. And that's a part of building the trusting pieces. So I would say that with any SEL core team, with any department team, with any faculty, you need to start getting to know each other beyond your professional piece. You know that you're there for a certain mission and vision and you have a set of core values. So how are you gonna hold each other accountable and lean into your strengths to support each other. We don't have to be great at all of that, like all of those SEL skills. But if a student comes to me and says, you know, I'm really struggling with goal setting, I'm not gonna be the one who's the best to help them. I, some of my SEL skills are stronger in those other competencies, but I know who I could say, oh, you need to go talk to Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so because they have an awesome way of being able to set and achieve goals for themselves. Uh, Dana, I know that at Broken Ground, you and a group of others started an SEL team um, based on. I'm dancing so no in the background. Can, I was going to say, <laughs> every, I, everyone can't see what Chris is doing. She's dancing in the background. Yes. Um, uh, your SEL team mm -hmm. was initiated based on a webinar, one of Chris's webinars that you yeah. attended. So, can you share with the listeners and with Chris and myself? Um, some of the highlights, maybe some of the hurdles that you experienced. Yeah, and um, Krista, I think you're going to be happy with our progress. Um, but we um, we met over the summer and we developed some lessons that teachers could use either in remote learning or hybrid because we thought that SEL was going to be a huge need. Turns out we were right, and it's definitely an area where our students need a lot of help. Um, so where this has kind of morphed is one of our team members, um, she works as like a school um, social worker kind of position. Um, and she and the guidance counselor are now gonna be teaching an SEL class um, next year. So it's gone in a really cool direction. I think people see how important it is, um, especially through this pandemic. Um, I think we all know that when kids come back to school, they're gonna need a lot of help in all different ways, um, and especially in those SEL competencies that you were talking about um, earlier, I think it's going to be a really great class for the kids. I love that you said this, and just I just want to make sure to clarify, because I want to highlight this. When you said a class, you mean for every single child? Yes, so they're starting with one grade, and then hopefully it'll um, spread to the other ones, but just like they have art, music, PE, media tech, they'll also have SEL. That's fabulous because I think people often get confused and they say, oh, I have this club. Well, if it's not at tier one, it's not SEL. And so I love how you've taken that and you've really said this is important and mm -hmm. it needs to become part of our students day. Um, and just a piece then too, is that to get the teachers involved, how can the teachers then link back to that class that the students so that they see how, oh, well, I know in this class you learned about right. um, empathy or perspective taking and how does that fit into social studies here? Or where do you see that playing out in this character? Um, yeah. We're reading. And um, I think one of the, the 
things that motivated us was um, a team of us went to your webinar. And I think it always helps when you have a team of people that can bounce ideas off each other. And then one of the people from our team has really been advocating hard for this. And um, I think it's finally paying off. That's, and see, perseverance for the mm -hmm. team as well. Um, and knowing that you're in it together and that you're owning that and affecting that change is really powerful. And, and then over time, it keeps growing and you pull in more people and more people so that they're understanding um, the benefits, not only for the students, but for them as well. Because there's definitely something about meeting with a group of people who are interested and excited about the same things you are. It lifts our mental health as well. Like, I'll be honest, I was having kind of a little bit of a rough day and just talking to you both. I, I can feel full of energy, I'm so excited. It's just totally turned my afternoon around. So thank you. I, I just thought it was um, really important for you to hear the impact that yeah, you huge and your impact. webinar had on a school. Mm -hmm. um, and that every school, if they really have the desire, can do this without it being oh, one person or an add-on or- Or having like a huge budget to do it. You can do exactly. it without really anything. And it, it doesn't, you don't need a program to do it. And mm -hmm. I think that you and your team, Dana, have proved that. You need the desire and there are resources out there. Um, and it's not a one size fits all. Um, and even so, when you purchase a program for all of the money or purchase an assessment system for it, um, it might not be a- addressing all five of those competencies. Most of those programs don't. And there's research from Castle navigating SEL from the inside out that shows that. Um, and no one has figured out really how to assess SEL. So, I mean, the, the I'll stop there with the people who are trying to sell school districts. <laughs> uh, well, listen, um, one last question I have for you, Krista. Um, we mentioned earlier that EduPlanet 21 is sponsoring this podcast. Um, can you share a little bit about the professional learning you offer with EduPlanet 21? Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Sure. Um, as we know, with the pandemic, um, it has turned everything in education upside down, which is really scary, but I think also really empowering at the same time. Uh, we're looking at professional learning differently. We're looking at the way that we use time differently. And so as a way to be able to help support educators and school districts um, with shifting time and the way that we get professional learning, um, we've created an SEL Institute. It has several what we call learning paths. So the online courses, um, the first one is an introduction to social emotional learning. And it's not a just sit and watch videos or sit and read something. There's interactions, um, activities that you can do with other people in your building. At the same time, you can post and interact with one another. You can have the live sessions. Um, there's also another learning path that talks about integrating SEL into your classroom. So what we had talked earlier about, like, let's do a physical environment um, assessment. Let's take a look at space. Let's take a, a look at the way that we interact with students and teach students how to interact in a respectful way with one another. Um, how do we create those pro-social activities? How do we build those deep, authentic relationships with students and help students develop them with one another? Um, there's also one that I would say kind of takes it to the next level, which is how do we integrate SEL into the curriculum, K to 12, all content areas. Um, 
I show a two different processes on how to do that, but it's up to the educators to get to choose what that looks like for them. Uh, there is another learning path for paraprofessionals because they are in the best position to have that really deep connection with students. Um, and then lastly, there's one for leaders on how do we make this sustainable and scalable? And in the research that my company's done, we found that there are three factors that really need to be looked at. And it's, there are cultural factors, structural factors, and behavioral factors. And as Dana, you mentioned earlier, it takes time. And so if we, I think our goal is to continuously take steps towards our vision and what we want to accomplish and celebrate those successes along the way. And these learning paths, can provide opportunities for an entire district or organization to move together in the same direction with a consistent message and the same um, overall understanding of SEL. Thanks so much, Krista. We'll make sure that we put uh, a hyperlink for EduPlan 21 and your institute within, mm -hmm. within that site, as well as your contact information. Um, okay. I just wanted to thank you so much. As always, it's a pleasure. I love working with you both and learning so much um, about the application of everything. So thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. And Dana, I look forward to hearing your next Yes, step. I can't oh, wait. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much. You've been a huge help to getting this started. Thank you. All right, take care. And again, thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of NHASCD Spotlight. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And be sure to visit us on our website, nhascd.org.